we were in a protected anchorage, and there lies the problem. A lee shore in every direction, the bay was chock full of chillingly beautiful coral heads. That night we maintained anchor watch. At 9 p.m., Wind and thirty of his mates were exposing Poseidon's anger. At 11.15 p.m., I could see the lightning through my closed eyes. Suddenly, a huge gust barreled through the anchorage and swung us violently. Stumbling into the cockpit, with my night vision still in infancy, and pulling on a jumper, I found an oft-calm knoll dancing on his toes. I was about to yell for you, he said. The last few words were snatched away by the noise of the wind generator flying at high speeds. Turn off the wind generator, Noel yelled. Turn on the engine, I screamed as Piwacket was slung over onto her gunnels. Three long terrifying hours ensued within the jaws of nature's opponents, where rules were their private notion. Regularly we clocked gusts in excess of fifty-five knots, which nearly knocked us over. Heart action sped, blood vessels contracted, and gusts grew. A steady forty-five knots persisted, interspersed with brutal gusts. So what's the big deal? These aren't pleasant winds at all. But they're not horrendous. Many sailors have suffered fiercer fights with Windy and his mates. As have we. The problem was the vortexing wind that clutched us in its vicious fist and the fact that we were trapped. The wind backed countless times, orbiting in full three-sixty degrees, in a gut-wrenching, horrifying lurch, from one direction to the next. The cruel gusts pinned us one way, eased to forty-five knots, and then the next great barreling wall of wind would smack us on the opposite side. Nature put on a performance of ear-splitting music, the beating halyards and howling wind clashing together, reaching a cliffhanger crescendo. The only light to navigate by was the occasional glimpse of a local house lamp. Our solar panels were vibrating along with my knees. Mangareva sits on a crescent-shaped island, allowing the wind to whip along the inside curve and build speed, another ingredient in the following fracker. Viewing the chart plotter, it showed the kaleidoscope winds picking up Piwacket's fifteen tons and propelling her and her wide-eyed crew straight over the anchor, pulling it clear out of its sandy restraints and tossing us into the realms of chaos. We were no longer tethered to terra firma for a few heart-stopping moments. Of course, this took place on the blackest night in history, and most of the markers that highlighted the hidden reefs were unlit. With the engine on, and to hold us in clear water, Noel concentrated on the chart plotter. I staggered to the bow to gather an idea on the situation. Haunting visions of carnage romped before my eyes, Neptune took another swing at us with what felt like a giant cricket bat. I returned to the cockpit and Noel's expectant face. The only answer I had was trembling knees. Buying time before my next foray onto the bow, I trained the spotlight on two nearby cardinal markers around the nearest reef and Dana, who was moving closer. We soon realized we were moving, not them. They too were dancing around their anchor. All ten boats in the anchorage had switched their navigation lights on. The VHF radio carried a distress call into the void. The disembodied voice filled our cockpit, and the French language did not soften the anguish hanging on the words. 